Praise God and welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Before we get into the word, let's pray. Dear Lord God, Jehovah, most awesome and wonderful Lord God, we just praise your most magnificent name and we thank you for this opportunity to be able to get together to partake in your word. Lord God, I ask that you would prepare the hearts and minds and spirits of every single listener here today, Lord God, to receive your words and that the words would come, will be planted deeply within their spirits and so that they can come rising up and bubbling up anytime the enemy rears his ugly head. We praise you, Lord God. We love you. We thank you for this time together, Lord. And I ask that you just take this message where you will for your glory, for your honor and for your praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Once again, welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. I'm so glad to have you here. If you don't have your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and pause this message and grab your Bibles and come on back and resume it when you have them so you can see what the word of God has to say today. Diving right into scripture here, we're going to start in the book of Mark. And I want to start in Mark chapter 5. And we're going to go to verse number 21. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him and the great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may, I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. If I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Today, I want to talk about striving for Jesus. The same way that this woman strived for Jesus through the crowd to be to be healed. What does it mean when we strive for Jesus? Miriam Webster defines striving as to devote serious effort or energy. This means that whenever we're striving for something, we are giving everything we've got to obtain whatever it is that we're, we're, we're going after. We put all of our heart, our soul, our mind, every fiber of our being into obtaining that thing that we're striving for. This means that when we strive for something, we will also face opposition. But when we're striving, we don't let the opposition stop us from obtaining that thing that we're after. If you look at verse 21, this paints the good picture of knowing uh, of what exactly this woman had to go through in order to be get to, to be able to get to Jesus. Because there was this huge multitude that was waiting for him as he came across the sea. Now, when you think about a multitude, it's not just a group of people, but it's a group of people that are not organized in any fashion whatsoever. Okay. There's no ushers that are here telling these people to, hey, have a seat here. And there's no line for getting people into some sort of stadium. This is just a mob of people that just see Jesus and they are waiting for him. They want to talk to him. They want to hear what he has to say. So this is a huge crowd. And there's a lot of effort that even Jairus had to put in through to be able to get to to be able to get to Jesus. Because we see there in verse 22, it says that when he came, he saw him and he fell at his seat and his feet and he begged him. Okay. So Jairus here is begging Jesus to heal his daughter. And as Jesus went with him, that same large group of people followed him. 
Verse 24, so Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him. So this huge mob followed Jesus as Jairus was taking Jesus to where his daughter was. Now, I want you to think for a moment. The last time you went to the store when there was a huge sale going on and, and it was a sale that you just knew that whatever that item was, everybody in that store was going after that item. OK, maybe you went out on Black Friday last year looking for a particular item that was you know, 50 percent off or something to that effect. And when you get to the store, you really believe that there's so many people here at this store for the sale. They have to be here going after the same thing that I'm going after, buying the same item that I'm going after. And so what do you do? You start walking a little bit faster. You start squeezing in between people as much as you can. You, you might cut off the person that, that, that has a card and they're pushing the card. And you, you might cut right in front of them because you see an opening and you're like, oh, there's an opening. And you're going to rush through that opening because you just have to get to that item before it sells out. Before the hundreds of other people that are in that store get to it because we believe that they're all going after the same, the same item. Well, those same feelings that you had, you could imagine that these are the same things that these people felt. They saw Jesus. They saw uh, an opportunity to go talk to, talk, talk to this Jesus, this, this Jesus that has been healing people and performing all of these, all of these miracles. And then you have the, this poor woman that, that's seen all the doctors and, and has been dealing with these issues for 12 years, spent all she had, didn't get any better, but actually grew worse. Now, she's got to fight through the same mob of people that are also trying to get to Jesus because she wants to be able to get to Jesus. OK, so these are the things that 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 that, that people can feel. And, and as we're striving for Jesus, we have to continue to push through the crowd, if you will. We have to push through that multitude to get to Jesus. We got to push through the opposition, the things that would be trying to keep us from focusing on Jesus. We need to be able to get through those things if we're truly, truly striving for Jesus. Verse 28 shows exactly how striving starts and striving starts with faith. Verse 28 says, for she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now, the Bible doesn't say how this woman uh, heard about Jesus or how she knew of Jesus or anything like that. But she knew enough to know that if she can just get her hands on his clothes, that she will be made well. Not even touch him, just touch his clothes that she would be made well. That only happened because she had a mindset of faith. She had faith in knowing that if she could touch Jesus, that she would be made well and that she would get something that none that none of the doctors she saw was able to give her. And that's healing. So when we strive for Jesus, one of the things we can obtain is healing. Staying in the book of Mark, we're going to keep on going here. We're going to go to verse number uh, verse number twenty nine. So still in Mark, chapter five, verse twenty nine. Immediately. Let's back up to twenty eight. Verse 28, for she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. When Jesus does that healing, you can just feel it in your body. OK, I can't I, I can't count the number of times that I ask God for a healing and you can just feel it. You can feel it. I, and I can't I can't describe what it feels like. I just can't put it into words. But you just know that in that moment, something felt different. Something in your body felt different than what it felt like before. And you know that you were healed. And that's where it says here in 29. She felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Verse number 30. And Jesus said immediately, uh, Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? See, that feeling that she felt, that healing, 
that was the power of Jesus that was flowing through her body that caused that healing. And it's an indescribable feeling. Who touched my clothes? Verse 31, but, he, but his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Do you know what happened to you when you prayed and asked Jesus for healing? Do you know what happened? Do you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you were healed? She knew it. There was no doubt about it. She knew it. Verse 33 again. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. See, so we see there again, faith, faith, faith. It was her faith that got her through that multitude. It was her faith that allowed her to stretch out and just touch his garment. It was her faith that made her well. There was nothing in Jesus' clothes that, that there was no medicine in her clothes or any in his clothes or anything like that, that that when she touched him, that it seeped through her fingertips and went into her bloodstream and, and, and dried up this issue that she had. No, there was nothing special about his clothes. It was her faith in knowing that Jesus can heal me and Jesus will heal me. And the only thing that I have to do is just strive. And if I can just strive and if I can just touch him, then I will be healed. When we strive out for Jesus, we have to know that when we touch him or touch his clothes, if we just strive, we have to know that we will be healed as well, that we will be taken care of, that all of our issues will be taken care of. Verse number 35. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. So we see faith again, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. What we see here in these verses is that we see a form of opposition that we can face when we're striving toward, for, for Jesus. And that opposition is doubt. Okay. That opposition is doubt. Doubt can easily set in if we're not careful as we strive for Jesus. Doubt in thinking that Jesus won't actually heal us if we're sick. Doubt in that Jesus won't provide for us if we're lacking. Doubt that even Jesus is even there and that he heard your prayer in the first place. Okay, that doubt can settle in. We have to be very, very, very careful about who we tell what's going on in our lives. Because Jesus didn't take everybody in to that synagogue for a reason, because he knew that not everybody there had faith. He knew that some people were going to be doubting. So if you've got something going on, do not go out and blast it to the world. Do not blast it to the world. I'm not knocking anybody that uses social media. But the reality of it is, is that everything you put out there for social media is not going to go to people that truly, truly, truly care about you. Or that truly care about the situation that you're going that that's going on. OK, so even on social media, be careful about who you're telling out there what's going on in your life. Be careful about how much of your business you're putting out there for others to see, especially if you don't really know what their beliefs are. OK, because those same people you thought that had your back, those same people you thought that were with you, 
could very well turn around and say, huh, well, that's what you get. Okay. And I can speak from experience. People that I thought I, that I've had in my life that I thought really had my back and that were really uh, 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 happy for my success turned around and said all sorts of negative things about me when I actually achieved the level of success that they thought that I wasn't going to get to. Okay. Be very careful about that. Uh, verse number 38. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was. Again, you may not know who has your back. You may not know who has your back. Okay. Be careful about who you're talking to. Be careful about who you're sharing the, the, the uh, certain information with. Okay. You may not know who has your back and, and, and will have the faith that you have, but at some point you will know who they are. You will know who they are. Some people you think that have the same level of faith that you have, when you find yourself going through something, they won't have that faith at all. And you can tell from their reactions. Because they're like, oh no. They'll start getting into a, a um, oh, what's the word I want to use? They, they, they start to sound and, and get like in, their, in a depressed state or in a, in a down state. Oh no. And they try to say that I'm empathizing with you. But the reality of it is the only reason they're feeling that way is because they don't have the faith that you have. So be careful. Be careful of who you tell that, of who you tell uh, what's going on in your life to. Once you find out who doesn't have that same faith, you need to put them out immediately. You need to put them out immediately. Don't go telling them everything that's going on. Stop sharing things with them. Okay, put them out immediately the same way Jesus put out people that we saw in these scriptures because they didn't actually believe. Then he took the child by the hand. Verse 41. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated little girl, I say to you, arise immediately. The girl arose and walked for she was 12 years of age and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it. And said that something should be given to her to eat. So we see there that Jesus told her and just said to her, listen, or first told them, listen, she's not dead. She's just asleep. Okay. And then when they started ridiculing, he said, okay, you don't want to have faith. You're not going to be able to see the miracle that I'm about, I'm about to perform because Jesus also knew the people that he took with them, that they needed to make sure that his disciples that he took with them, that they needed to know that if you want to see miracles happen in your life and in the lives of the people that you're talking to, you have to have faith. And sometimes, sometimes your own faith might not be enough to override the lack of faith of others. That's why you have to be careful about who you're sharing information with. All right. Jesus knew that. And so Jesus put them out. They, he ridiculed them. This is Jesus, by the way. Right. This is this the same Jesus that this entire group of people followed him all the way to the synagogue that were waiting for him to, to, to come across the, the, the river there. That same group that some of these people here that just didn't even believe. OK, they didn't believe. So he put them out and he says to the little girl, get up and walk, arise, walk. And immediately she 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 got up and walked. Now, you might be dealing with an infirmity right now that hasn't left that hasn't yet left you. But understand, the only reason you may still have it is because God knows that you can bear it. God does not put more on us than we can actually handle. 
Some people believe that if I send the prayer up to Jesus right now to heal me of something, and if it's not happening instantly, that that means, <clears throat> excuse me, that means he hasn't heard me or that he's not listening to me or that he's not going to actually heal me. That's not the case at all. Jesus did heal you. It's going to take its time and it's natural to be able to work itself out. And more importantly, God has time, his timing for every, for, for his reasons and reasons that we don't understand. But also know that while you are bearing that infirmity, while you are bearing that infirmity, once that healing actually takes place in the physical, he's going to get the glory for your healing. So whatever infirmity you might be going through right now that you're just wishing it would just go away, understand that when it does go away, God is going to get the glory. And if God always acted instantly on everything, then why would we actually glorify him? How could we be patient in the tribulations that we that that we that that we face if God constantly just answered answered in the physical realm? They sent the answers to the physical realm, uh, in the physical realm to our prayers immediately. If he instantly did that all the time, then there's no way that God would, would, would really get too much glory because we, the way we, we would take advantage of that as human beings. We would take complete advantage of that. I don't need to have patience anymore because I'm going to pray right now and God's going to answer it right, right away. Watch. I don't have any food to eat. I'm going to send up a prayer and watch my, my refrigerator, boom, magically gets filled. Or, or somebody comes knocking at the door with, with, with some food or some groceries. No, God makes us wait and he lets us wait because we can't handle the thing that we're going through. We can bear the weight that, 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 that is placed on our shoulders when he's allowing us to go through it. Because once we get through it, then not only does he get the glory, but then we remember we remember that God is actually there and then we can actually thank him and turn that into a testimony. And oftentimes we forget that our trials get turned into testimonies through our faith. This woman was going through an issue of blood for 12 years, 12 years. She was dealing with that trial and it turned into a testimony because of those 12 years. If that was 12 seconds, let's say she only had this issue for 12 seconds. There would be no testimony. There would be nothing that we could learn from from these scriptures and where we are right now and, and, and learning how to persevere and to have patience and to know that God is there and that God is good. God is going to help you. Okay. Sometimes it might take time, but know that the time that it takes, God is still there with you and you are able to bear it for that time while you're waiting for him, for him to deliver you. Okay. So when we strive for Jesus, one of the things that happens is that we are able to obtain healing. Another way, another thing that happens when we strive for Jesus is that it also changes how we treat people. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke. And we're going to go to Luke chapter six. Luke six, verse number 37. Okay, striving for Jesus changes how we treat people. Luke six, verse 37. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will it be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay? So one of the things here that we can, we, we can see here is that it's important for us to forgive. Okay. And if you look at the world and this has been happening, this is nothing new. This is something that's been going on 
quite a bit, I would say probably over the last 10 years, is that there are ungodly agendas that are being pushed. And then we as Christians get attacked because we dare say, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to partake in that. I'm not going to participate in that activity. And the unbeliever will tell us that we are judging people when we speak out against ungodly things. They will say that we are being judgmental. Well, you talk about as a child of God that you're supposed to love someone. Well, how can you not love this person because they're, they're, they're living this lifestyle? And the reality of it is we do love them. We don't like the lifestyle. God loves them. God doesn't like the lifestyle. The word of God says for us to, that we should love the person but hate the sin. God loves the person, but he hates the sin. So no, just because I don't agree with that lifestyle doesn't mean I don't love that individual. I don't like the lifestyle. And I can love the person and still not condone what they're doing. That's not being judgmental. And if there's any issues with that, the word of God is very clear. The word of God is very, very, very clear. So we're not being judgmental by simply speaking out of the things of God and pointing everything back to scripture. There's a belief among Christians, however, that we should just get along with everyone since scripture says that we should pursue peace with all people. And you can see that in Hebrews 12, verse 14. However, pursuing peace with people doesn't mean that we condone ungodly behaviors and lifestyles or participate in certain events out of a out of fear of upsetting people. Okay, We don't condone it we don't participate it because we're worried about somebody being upset we need to respond in a way that god would want us to and the only way to know how to respond is by seeking god and listening and being obedient to what holy spirit tells us okay but we have to make sure that we 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 we, we are not uh or are not acting in a way that that makes it appear that yeah we're okay with some of these ungodly things and we have to be careful even in how we address it that we are not coming across judgmental because face it every single one of us we can get so um we get so passionate about the word of god and we want to see people know that get to know god the way that we know him and have that personal relationship with jesus christ like we do we want everybody to do that and sometimes we can be a little bit too passionate and if we're not careful about what we say and what we do it can be perceived as judgmental but there's also many times when we are very careful what we say and we are obedient to what Holy Spirit tells us to say and people will look at us and say, you're being judgmental by the simple fact that you don't agree with the lifestyle. When those things happen, though, what we need to make sure we do is that we need to forgive people. Forgive them. Don't go lashing out at them. Don't go trying to uh, match their intensity, if you will. How's the old saying go? Uh, like don't fight fire with fire because they can be very, very rambunctious and out there uh, uh, as, they, as they're attacking us and they're, and they're talking about us. We don't need to respond in kind. OK, we don't have to go out there and, and be as angry as them and start pounding them over the head with the with, with the Bible and and yelling loudly and, and all of these things. We can still be cool, calm and collected when we're when we're dealing with those things. Verse number 38, give and give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be given back to you. God will give back to you based on what and how you give to others. What and how you what and how you give to others is how God is going to give back to you. Okay, it doesn't mean that it has to be. It's just financially. This could be given of your time telling someone about God. Okay, this could be given of your time to God. One thing that I've found throughout throughout my life is that if I sacrificed 
time of doing something else to spend time with God, somehow I get that time back. And it's not because God extended the day <laughs> or anything like that or, or, uh, or snapped his fingers and rewound time. It's not, it's not that at all. It's that when you start to put God first and you make him the priority, he starts to reveal you to you, reveal to you the things that you thought were a priority that aren't actually a priority. Okay, that aren't actually a priority. That thing that I thought I needed to get done today, if I go spend time with God, God would say, you don't need to get that done today. You can wait till next week on that. Or you can wait until tomorrow. But if we put God first, he'll be able to give us our give us our priorities. All right. This could also be given, uh, as I said, given of our time to to God versus some other activity. And when God gives when you give time to God, he will give it back to you. Verse number thirty nine. And he spoke a parable to them. Can can the blind lead the blind? Will they both not fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your that is in your brother's eye. Okay, so how can we lead people to Christ when we don't even see our own blind spots? Okay, if we're not striving for Jesus, we are not going to be able to treat people the way that he would want us to treat them. We do what verse 37 says not to do, and that's not to judge. So if we come out there and we start judging people and start telling them everything that's wrong, but we can't see our own blind spots, then how can we expect to lead people to Christ? How can we expect that Christ light in us to shine for everyone to see if we have that speck, if we have the speck in our eye and, and we're trying to tell our brother to take the, or we have a beam in our eye and we try to tell our brother to take the speck out of, out of theirs. Okay. We can't lead people to Christ if we don't see our own blind spots. Verse 43. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs and thorns, gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of, his, uh, out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Okay, we need to ask ourselves whether or not the things we say and the things that we do bring something good. Not good as mankind defines good, but good from God's perspective, because whatever it is, whatever it is that's in our heart is what's going to lead to what comes out of our mouth. Okay, this is why we have to be careful to check ourselves before we speak. I remember as a kid growing up, our parents used to say, think before you speak. Okay? That way you don't just come speaking out of anger or, or, or speaking out of emotion. Because words that are spoken out of emotion will have a very, very long lasting impact. Okay? And they can have an impact for years. Can have an impact for years. All right? There's plenty of situations and, and, and uh, documented cases of, of, of how... People grow up and, and, and when they become adults, that, that it all starts with something that, that happened in their childhood, that everything from the childhood impacted who they are. And some people that get into, into, into crimes and get into issues, sometimes it's just a matter of fact that their parents never told them that they loved them. 
okay? Their parents never seemed to be there to actually help them. Or the parent didn't discipline them. And they grew up in life thinking that their parents didn't love them. And then now they're unable to love all because of what happened to them when they were a child. Because of either a situation that they found themselves in or something that was said to them or something that wasn't said to them. All right. In our heart, if we have evil, evil things are going to come out. And then that means evil actions are going to take place. But if we have godliness in our heart, then godly things will come out of our mouths. Godly actions will take place. All right. So, again, we need to always ask ourselves whether or not the things we say and the things that we do, whether or not they're bringing something good. Whether or not they're bringing somebody closer to God, whether or not it can lead somebody to actually being introduced to Jesus and having a relationship with him and being able to accept them as their as their personal Lord and Savior, the same way that we have. All right. So, again, striving for Jesus changes how we treat people. It keeps us from being judgmental towards others that are practicing ungodly behaviors or or living ungodly lifestyles. It keeps us from responding in the same way that they will respond to us because they don't like something that we say. And it also allows us to be able to see our own blind spots so that we can actually lead people to Christ. Another thing that um, striving for Jesus does, not only does it change how we respond to people, but it also changes how we respond to situations. Staying in the book of Luke, we're going to jump to chapter 17. Luke 17, and we're going to go to verse number one. Okay. Luke 17, verse number one. Then he said to his disciples, said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they come, whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns uh, to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. So we see here again about the importance of forgiveness. Make no mistake about it. There are people who are trying to pull us away from what God's word says. They are trying to force us to believe that the Bible is outdated and should be modernized. And unfortunately, there are many Christians that are falling for this. Just recently, I remember looking online and and, and I saw a few different people posting some scripture and, and, and they were right on the money with with the meaning of the scripture there. And the comments that people were putting in there saying, yeah, that's for old times. The Bible is, is doesn't apply today. Because what they what they're truly wanting is they they are wanting the word of God to support ungodly behaviors that so many unbelievers today think is acceptable. Because since so many people are doing it, we should just go ahead and accept it. No, the word of God does not change because we change. What we need to do is make sure that we raise our standards to match the standards that God has set has set for us, not lower. Try to lower God's standards to meet our lifestyles. To meet how we live. We see some churches today, unfortunately, embracing lifestyles that God doesn't approve of. We see people that call themselves Christians, but they doubt if the whole Bible is applicable today. Okay, so it's not even unbelievers that are saying that the Bible is outdated. There are some Christians that say we should change our belief system because it goes against the the, the establishment of today and how quickly we forget 
when Jesus walked the earth, he didn't fit in with the establishment. He challenged the establishment. He challenged what the establishment thought they knew. He didn't go along with it. And he did it out of love. But there are some Christians today that think that we should we, we should we should change the word of God and our lifestyles to match what everyone else wants to do. We have, unfortunately, children of God that are still picking and choosing which parts of the Bible they will follow because they don't want to change their lifestyles to match God's expectations. OK, this is no judgment, but this is true. These are the things that Jesus warned us that would happen. All right. And they're happening today in 2023. They are happening today. Right. We have a responsibility to each other as Christians to warn each other if we see someone falling away. We shouldn't just stand idle when we see one of our brothers or sisters in Christ being disobedient to God. Okay. One of the things you probably have heard me say on numerous occasions of is be careful about who's in your inner circle. The people that are in your inner circle should be um, in some ways challenging you to be a better Christian to improve your walk with Christ. Okay. If you don't have those people in your inner circle, I highly suggest that you seek those folks out and get them into your inner circle because we need to be surrounded by people that are not going to pull us away from God, but are going to help us to get closer to God. Okay. So when we respond to the world and we respond to these situations around people saying we should change the Bible, we say, no, we should change your belief because it's not what everyone else believes. Well, to be quite frank, I don't care what everyone else believes because I know what the word of God says. And that's what I believe. And you and I are both going to have to stand in front of the same God on judgment day and give an account for everything that we've done. And I want to stand up there knowing that I tried the, my best to follow the word of God exactly the way it was written. I wasn't going to cherry pick it or ignore certain things because I chose to live a lifestyle that was unacceptable. No, as children of God, when we see the world respond this way, we need to respond in a way that's going to glorify God, glorify God and point people to God. And if people don't want to accept it, then they don't accept it. Like Jesus told his disciples, if they don't receive your word, shake the dust off your sandals and move on. Not everybody's going to receive the things that you have to say. And you have to be okay with that. But that doesn't change who we are. We don't change our beliefs because we told someone what the word of God said and we showed, showed them what it said. And then they say, you know, what? I don't think I can talk to you anymore. I don't want to be around you. I don't want to be your friend. I don't want nothing to do with you. We can't allow those relationships to change what we know to be true in the word of God. But that can only happen if we're striving for Jesus. Turn in your Bibles to uh, Mark chapter 11. Mark 11, verse number, let's see, Mark 11, verse number 20. Praise the living God. Mark 11, verse 20. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter remembering said to him, Rabbi, look. The fig tree which you which you cursed has withered away. Jesus uh, Jesus answered and said to them, "Have faith in God." There we see faith again. Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, "Be removed and be cast into the sea," and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray. Believe that you receive them and you will have them. 
Believe that you will receive them and you will have them. When we find ourselves in situations that are less than ideal, striving for Jesus reminds us that our faith will move mountains. Our faith, not our faith can move mountains. Our faith will move mountains. But we have to do like Jesus said in verse 23. Do not doubt in your heart, but believe, but believe, but believe. And then whatever you say will be done, will be done. Jesus didn't say that the mountain might move. He said it will be moved. That's what faith is all about. So when the world persecutes us, we need to have faith that moves mountains to know that God will protect us. Okay. When the unbeliever comes attacking, when the world comes attacking, when the enemy comes attacking, the devil himself, if he comes attacking, okay, we have to have faith and knowing that we can bind that all that stuff up in the name of Jesus and all of that stuff will be bound up. That if we ask God to protect us as we go in and out of our homes, that he will protect us. That if we have to take a stand, if we have to take a stand for God at the risk of losing our jobs, losing a, a paycheck, losing your house, losing your car, losing your kids, losing something that you hold near and dear to yourself, that if you have the faith that God, if you have the faith that moves mountains, that God will take care of you, that you will be protected. If you're struggling to find a job, if you have faith and you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe like Jesus said, you can say to that mountain that's unemployment, unemployment mountain in the name of Jesus, I command you to be cast into the sea and it will be cast into the sea and you will get a phone call saying, hey, I've got a job offer for you. That job that you applied for, I want to offer it for you. And it's going to be at a salary that will allow you to provide for your family. But you have to have faith that moves mountains. Not doubting in your heart. Last scripture here, Matthew chapter 5. Praise the living God. Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to go to verse number 38. Matthew 5, verse 38. You have heard it, that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compel, compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you and, uh, and from him who wants to borrow from you and do not turn away. You have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. OK, so it's important for us, as we see again here, not to respond the way that the world responds. The world teaches us to try and one up the person that has wronged you, to treat them worse than the way they treated you. But when we strive for Jesus and, uh, and, and strive to be like him. Then we learn to keep our composure and ignore the things that are insignificant. Okay. We learn to keep our composure and ignore the things that are insignificant. You can do yourself a whole lot of good if you stop worrying about things that don't matter. You can do a whole lot of good. Stop worrying about what people say on social media. Stop worrying about how somebody thinks of you because you decide to go to church on Sunday instead of going to the sports game. 
Don't worry about what people are thinking of you if you say, you know, I'm not going to go to that particular place or participate in that in that activity because that's just not for me. That's not who I am. Don't worry about what people think when they say, oh, you're one of those Bible thumping Jesus freaks. Okay, don't worry about that. None of that stuff matters because the only thing that matters is what God in heaven thinks of you. When we strive for Jesus and to be like him. Like I said, we learn to keep our composure. By doing this, we maintain our dignity, self-respect, and we show others what it means to follow the example that Christ has set for us. Okay? It's very easy to allow your emotions to get a hold of you. It's very easy to respond in an emotional manner. It's a lot harder to take a step back for a moment and, for a moment and think, why should I actually care about this? Why should I care what that individual thinks? Why should I care what that group of people think? If I worry first about what God thinks of me, then the people that um, the people that I need to think about what they th- what they think about me or consider in terms of what they think about me, God will put those people in my path. And it's not because I'm thinking about what they how they view me because I want to please them. But it's because I'm thinking about that from the perspective of I want to show them what it means to actually be a Christian. Too many people are looking for, um, what's the word, validation from others. Too many people are looking for someone else to validate who they are instead of going to God. God will validate who you are. God created you for a specific purpose. God created you to carry out something. God created you with a, with a, to be a part of his, of his master plan. So the only one that you should be worrying about how they think of you is God. And if you're going to God first, he will take care of any other relationship that you have if you're putting him first. In closing here, Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. If we want men to see our good works so that we can glorify our God in heaven, the only way for that to happen is that we must strive for Jesus. We must strive for Jesus. Well, praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And before we close, let's end with a prayer. Dear Lord God, most awesome and wonderful Lord, we just thank you for the words that came forth today, Lord Jesus. And I just pray, Lord, for everyone that's listening, that you would that you would help us to strive for you, Lord God, that you would give us the strength to overcome any obstacles and opposition that would be trying to keep us from, from from reaching you in a way that you want us to be able to reach you, Lord God. Strengthen us, Lord, so that every time we speak and every time that we act and everywhere that we go, Lord, that your light in us will shine for all to see, Lord God, so that they can also come to know you and to come to know your son Jesus the same way that we know him. Lord God, I want to pray for everyone, Lord, and just ask that you would continue to watch over us, your children, and to continue to keep us safe. And for and to continue to provide for us, Lord God, and that you would strengthen us in all aspects of our lives. These things I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, praise God. Uh, Thank you for joining us. And again, I hope this message was a blessing to you. Feel free to pass this message off to uh, any family, friends or loved ones or anyone that might be even giving you a hard time. Just like we saw in scripture that God that that, that Jesus commanded us uh, to love our enemies and to pray for those that that persecute us. So share this with them. You can find us at Genesis one. That's one word. Genesis one dot sermon dot net. 
Um, and if you click on the subscribe button in the corner, you will be able to receive notifications anytime new content is posted. You can also search us out on YouTube at Genesis One Christian Ministries, and you'll be able to find our videos uh, posted on there. And then we also have apps on the Apple, uh, the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store that you can download for free, and you can share those with, with, with others as well and play them back uh, anytime, anytime you'd like. All of this stuff is made free because we just want to spread the Word of God to, to as many people as we can. Well, praise God again. Thank you for joining us. And I hope that you walk in his peace, that you walk in blessings, and that you remember that you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Praise God and be blessed. Here we are. Thank you, Lord. In your presence.